0: marvel disney with their billions of dollars should spend you know a 100 million dollars to buy a house in greenwich village and like make it look like the sanctum santorum and like make it a disney store or something.
1: <laughs> i would totally go visit that they should cure cancer that's what that's what disney should do yeah i know where the cancer cure is i know exactly where it is it's in disney's vault right next to uh, walt disney's frozen severed head the more you know so Ryan- the more you know guys <laughs> when you're unwanted
0: streets are uneven you down when you're stray. Faces come out of the rain. so ryan i know we were supposed to read the killer by the french team supreme of Watson Yakoman. but with the latest mcu installment dr strange in the multiverse of madness coming out never heard of it has there been any advertising and with mother's day just around the corner i wish we could read something more appropriate it's just a shame there's nothing
1: that combines dr strange and loving mothers
0: how about dr strange and dr doom
1: triumph and torment wow is that about dr strange's mom
0: well no it's about dr doom's mom but dr strange is involved that does not seem
1: healthy wait go back dr doom had a mom <laughs> <laughs> dr doom had a mom in hell Okay, well, in that spirit, why don't we also read Dr. Strange, The Oath? And in what spirit is that exactly? The hoary whores of Hogwarts.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. That, that's,
1: that's not how that goes. I'm Ryan Joe, And I'm Roman Segal. And we're two Asian guys who didn't go to medical school like our mothers wanted, so instead we're reading about two fictional doctors who wear capes. Sorry, Mom. This week we transcend to the astral plane. And read not one, but two Doctor Strange comics. First, there's Triumph and Torment,
0: written by Roger Stern and illustrated by the one and only Mike Mignola of Hellboy fame. A tale of what a loving doctor does for his mom from way back when in 1989. Hey, that's when Taylor Swift was born. That's great, Roman. Thanks for that information. Haters gonna hate, 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 hate. (laughs) But no problem. You know, we're also talking about The Oath, written by Brian K. Vaughn of Saga and Why the Last Man fame, illustrated by Marcos Martin from that quaint old time of 2007. Ah, back when housing was cheap. And you could cough on strangers.
1: (laughs) Both stories tell a much more personal tale about Doctor Strange, the man who, despite his recent prominence in Marvel movies, has mostly been a side character in the comics. In The Oath, we get a sense of Strange's close relationship with his Asian manservant Wong. Dude, Wong is awesome. I mean, even Tonto had his fan base. Anyway, in Triumph and Torment, the focal point is, well, Dr. Doom's relationship with his mother. I mean, any narcissistic, strongman, sovereign leader who talks about
0: himself in the third person seems like a guy who had a healthy relationship with his parents. That's for sure.
1: Well, who would you say had a better relationship with their mom, Dr. Doom or Darth Vader? (sighs) Anyway, Roman, what did you think of the comics? I, you know, I have this like weird love hate relationship
0: of revisiting stuff from my childhood, uh, or I, from that era, because I never read this when it came out. I knew there was an adventure; there were multiple adventures. We're of, talking you know, of Tri-
1: we're talking about Triumph and Torment.
0: Is that yes? Oh yes, yes, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I I have this like weird relationship with like going back and reading stuff from that era, because back then everything was awesome, right? And then kind of when you go back, it's kind of weird. Sometimes mm. still nostalgic, but I had not read this and. While Mike Magnola did draw it, and the drawings are cool, it's kind of uh, I don't know. I I mean I came to appreciate the plot as it went further and further, and but then at the same time, the oath which I actually own and I I remember reading somewhere in the like mid two thousands, it was a so it's like one was a little too raw and one was a little too slick, but I enjoyed them both because you know they kind of stuck to the archetype of the arrogance of the character, but both had kind of their like interesting foils if you will what about you
1: which which one did you like
0: better i think there's a recency bias i think i'd like the oath more um but again the oath was a little too slick like i could tell it was kind of doing that slick mid-2000s yeah. comic thing you know the kind of wisecracking
1: it's sort of like it's sort of like you know a precursor
0: I, for the mcu yeah, yeah
1: the, it kind of opens with the heroes with these two heroes in a. um in a, Iron in a, Fist
0: in you know, Arachna. Yeah. yeah,
1: in a in a hospital, you know, in a hospital waiting room specifically for superheroes, they're making small talk. It's kind of witty, it's bantery. And then of course Doctor Strange comes in. Um I I so I actually like Triumph and Torment more. And I think part of it is because it didn't, you know, The Oath felt very much like an MCU movie. You know, it's it's it mm-hmm. kind of had that mm-hmm. MCU vibe. Everyone's sort of wisecracking, and there's a sort of high adventure. Triumph and Torment felt to me a little bit more I don't want to think the I don't want to use the word complicated but you know there was there was to me more of an epic feel for some reason in Triumph and Torment and maybe that was just kind of the way the way it opens it opens with this sort of like mystic sort of hovering telling the story and in a way the sort of Doctor Strange Doctor Doom story almost felt Almost felt isolated. I mean, I know Mephisto's the villain and all that stuff, but it almost felt like its own story within the MCU. Not part of it, not or, or part, not of, not a part of the cinematic universe. Not part right. of a cinematic universe versus the Oath definitely did. And, you know, of course that's you have the opening where you kind of have this reference of these two, you know, you kinda see these two other superheroes kind of like bantering. It feels like there's a sense of community. Which, you know, in, in Doctor Strange, Doctor Doom, both characters are actually feel kind of kind of isolated, like they're in their own worlds.
0: And it was very much a, it was very much a year one kind of story, even yeah, though it uh, wasn't year one. These are it's like a year two story. These guys aren't like epic icons. Like I mean, literally, Doctor Strange isn't the Sorcerer Supreme at the beginning of the story, right? And Doctor Doom is just kind of this asshole that nobody likes. You know,
1: there's not a lot of the self-referential stuff that the Oath had, and that has become sort of a cliche now, and especially nowadays. You know, now that the MCU has been going on for so long you know everything sort of refers back to itself. And so the fact that Doctor Doom, Doctor Strange didn't have any of that was a little refreshing even though it was written back in 89. And the other thing I really liked about Doctor Doom, Doctor Strange is that you have this dynamic between the two characters. They're both very distinct characters. They're both very much at odds with each other even though they're they're un they're uncomfortable allies. And I thought that was really just it created this really fantastic tension. And Doctor Doom is you know, he's a phenomenal character. I mean, he's very self-serving. He's very proud. But he also has this sort of code that makes him really interesting. Because you never, you never know what he's going to do. But at the same time, it, it all kind of aligns to this internal logic that is, he's, his
0: motivations his you don't know what he's going to do but his motivations are very very clear yeah you know
1: time. i really like that scene for him. there's a scene where so the doctor triumphant torment opens up with this big contest between sorcerers that doctor doom is a part of and that's and and as a result you know of this contest doctor strange has to give doctor doom a boon i won't go into the mechanics of that and and and, and it's revealed later on that doctor doom kind of set this up because he wanted, he wanted t- to have Dr. Strange owe him something. And Dr. Strange says, why didn't you just come to me and ask? <laughs> <laughs> and Dr. Doom just says, Doom does not beg. Good night. And I just, I just really <laughs> love that moment. It was just like so, this sort of like very simple sentence that just encapsulates who Doom is. He's willing to go through the strange gamut, the strange ordeal in order to get Dr. Strange in his debt all because he's too proud to simply ask for a favor and i just thought (laughs) you know and and i and i feel like like you know so so dr doom is such a compelling character that you know and of course he's a villain so you don't know what his true motivation is or what he's going to end up doing once he kind of gets into hell with dr strange yeah the 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 twist is actually when he does the right thing yeah Uh, right
0: it's it's Because, like, again, not to spoil too much, but the way Doom beats Mephisto, right, and at his own game, not just to get the freeing of his mother, but like literally to like untie and untangle all the mechanics of like spirit selling deals, right? (laughs) Like, he really has to outsmart the devil, like, and it's in a very Machiavellian sort of way that he does it.
1: And he and he does it, yeah. I mean, he does it very, very kind of brilliantly and i yeah I, to your point i love the moment where the twist is dr doom is actually actually i won't say he does a heroic thing but you know it seems like he's we go spoilers on this podcast so what the hell you know he it seems like he's going to betray dr strange which is what you'd expect from dr doom but no he actually gives dr strange a sort of an out a way to a way to free himself from mephisto's clutches and that's that's sort of like the the twist um in that, within that relationship, when Doctor Doom actually, as you said, does the right thing, and I thought, I so I, that's why I really liked Triumph and Torment. It kind of had these, it had this strange dynamic between Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom. This interesting tension between, oh, is he going to do the right thing? Is he not? Is he going to betray Doctor betray Doctor Strange? Yes, no, he's not. And then you have this deal with the devil, and you see how Doctor Doom sort of unravels it, or he's, he's, he sees how, how Dr. Doom seems to accept the deal with the devil and then outsmarts the devil. It's actually really more of a Dr. Doom story, honestly, than a Dr. Strange story. Dr. Strange... Yeah,
0: it, it, it's, it's Dr. Doom team-up with Dr. Strange.
1: Yeah. Right? Dr. Strange is really more of a, you know, kind of like a a side. Even though Dr. Doom needs his help, he's really more of kind of a side character. It, it's it's the, but, the Doom character but, but that really propels it, this. Hey, he's the sidekick in the way that sidekicks were
0: constructed, because he's Strange is the person whose perspective you're seeing this from. Because we can't see this from Dr. Doom's perspective. There's only a handful of people in this world that can see it from Dr. Doom's perspective. Doom
1: lets no man see his perspective.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you're forced to kind of confront Doom as the reader as Dr. Strange because you're in Strange's head you're in Strange's narration mm-hmm. even when Strange kind of has the flashback to his origin story and everything's fucked up as Mephisto's manipulating him so you are seeing this from Stephen Strange's perspective but it very much is Doom is the main character even though he probably has less lines but and and, and they're both like very primordial like it's we kind of walking into this even if you've seen the movies read some comics These kinds, the pretty much only established thing is Doom is a villain and like, you know, a nationalistic despot and Strange is a really powerful sorcerer. That's it. Like, you just need to know those two things. You don't need to know the backstory. They know who each other are, but that's kind of it. And that's what's so great about it because, and again, these characters are, it's 1989. These characters were created in the 60s. So they're 30 years old. Lots of stories have been told about them but you don't get lost in the baggage of them. Even like in that scene when Strange goes to Latveria and like experiences kind of the 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 puppet state that that the country is, it's uh, it feels like the first time that anyone's seeing it.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, like Dr. Strange has this moment where he's like, it seems like this has been set up for my benefit. You know, when he comes to Latveria and he sees all of the people like hailing Dr. Doom and he says, this seems to be set up for my benefit. And... Yeah, that that it seems like it's the first. It's clearly the first time he's been to Latveria, but it also kind of creates this uncertainty. Right now, you're off kilter. Is this just? Is this just a, a charade that Doom is a Trumpian charade that Doom is putting on, or do these people really love you know love Doctor Doom? You know, as as his servant kind of mentions, well, he he made Latveria great again. Um, it, and well, so here's it, the,
0: here's the, here's it, the thing though. It's like it's a, it's a really apt metaphor because these hyper nationalistic leaders in the world you know Duterte Trump Modi bolsonaro fifty to sixty percent of the population like this guy they might have been manipulated to like the guy mm. but they genuinely think he's doing the right thing so it make Laveria great again half the population probably believes yeah, it
1: yeah yeah I mean I mean so so there's like this kind of like subtle commentary and like a very quick reveal of like what doom is like as a ruler and then of course you know we go back to the to the to the main story. The other thing about Doom I you know is he he's a gypsy or his his background is he's a gypsy he was his family he, was He persecuted. has a yeah he has a Roman he has was a Romany background yeah. That so that's 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 typical in the in the mainstream. That wasn't the first time that. Yeah. Okay. The background in terms of his family being persecuted was that new or was that something that's been established in It's
0: hard to tell. You know, in the edition I read, you know, the first half of the edition is the story, but then the other half are like old Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom stories. So Doom's been, I mean, Doom's been around since the 60s. Like, even by this point, 1989, John Burns had his run at the Fantastic Four, I believe. So I think Doom is kind of tread on territory of who he is and what his background is. But I could be wrong, you know, like all of the, all the background series on him, who knows.
1: Yeah, I, 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 yeah, that was something that kind of stuck out to me because I don't, you know, obviously Magneto is, you know, he he was Jewish and he survived the Holocaust, and so I wasn't aware of Doom also kind of came from a, a persecuted background as well. So that was, well, I mean, the beauty of Marvel, the
0: beauty of Marvel villains and uh, of the Stanley kind of Jack Kirby era, and even you know further on, Thanos as well, right? Like when he was created, is you don't have to root for the villain but you can at least wrap your head around why the villain is the way they are that, that like all of these creators were all of these villains were created with that kind of kernel to them in the marvel universe you can't necessarily say the same thing about dark side or lex Luthor or any of the dc villains you know it's um they they kind of personify evil, the Joker, right? Yeah. But a lot of a lot of the major Marvel villains, I mean, be it literally the three that I just said, right? Like you know, Doom and Magneto and uh, Thanos. Shabu is the other one that I? Saw. Yeah, Thanos. It's like there's a justification. Um, not the, you can understand why they are the way they are. I guess it's not just about pure evil. There's a logic to their evil.
1: Yeah, that's true. There's like there's a humanity to to them, even though they they kind of rise they they kind of succumb to their their darker impulses mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah but it is you know it, i i think dr strange kind of being the lens through which we view all of this you know obviously it makes sense he's as a character i mean we do kind of see his origin you know as an arrogant servant actually we see that also in the in the oath as well but he, you know, as as the Sorcerer Supreme, he's actually a little bit more bland, right? Once you take the assholery out of Doctor Strange, he's actually not as interesting as a person. He's, you know, kind of like, he's good at what he does. He's just going to kind of do the right thing. And, you know, that that kind of makes him, you know, less interesting as a character, but as a sort of lens through which we view all of these strange antics and this possible betrayal. it's He's almost sort of like the 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 person that the reader inhabits like a frodo baggins right yeah and i mean that's I mean, that that's a good way to bring us into the
0: oath because it's i mean i guess you could say it's about any character but it's it's the supporting characters and the the architecture of the plot that make it interesting sure i mean the oath is his you know his hippocratic oath because doctor strange is not a PhD like Dr. Doom. He's an MD. Like He is an actual <laughs> medical doctor. He has this Hippocratic oath to take care of the people entrusted in his care, one of whom is you know, his BFF Wong. And that's what this whole thing is about. Everything that he has to do, he's willing to go to any length to take care of his best friend. And I don't know. It's just uh, the surrounding plot, the surrounding scenario, the kind of conundrum he finds himself in. What would you do? Uh, literally, with the powers of the Sorcerer Supreme to take care of your best friend. Um, that's more interesting than kind of who Strange is in the story.
1: Yeah, though there are some really interesting moments with Strange and Wong, like when he they're they're at the convenience store that's being robbed, and Strange doesn't even realize there's a fight <laughs> happening behind him. And he just I actually wish there were more of those moments that show that dynamic between Wong and Strange. To my knowledge, that's kind of the only moment where we kind of see their sort of like very disparate personalities and the way they kind of interact with the world. You know, after that, Wong is sort of like just kind of following along and occasionally passing out because of his cancer. And that's actually what I didn't like about the oath. I felt there wasn't that, even though he's doing, you know, Dr. Strange's reason for doing what he's doing is to save his best friend. It just didn't have that tension with, you know, these personalities as they're kind of winding their way through this adventure. Even when the night nurse shows up, she's kind of bland. She does two things. She gets held hostage at gunpoint and she gets held hostage by a giant octopus. And it's like, okay, as one does, as, as one, one does. In New York City. So, you know, it doesn't. Ha- and I know that there's some sort of romantic tension between her and Strange, but it's not exactly that. It doesn't feel that compelling. Like it feels like one of those things where he's like, let's just make them make out only on the last page though so but you know you see them kind of like close to you know their 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 faces are close to each other are they going to kiss are they not but i don't know this also didn't feel like a story where there was going to necessarily be room for romance i mean they're on a mission right well and that's you know something so you
0: know spoiler alert they make out at the end and they will they won't they through it marvel sex but you know the classic bechdel test and the night nurse is an established character and she isn't just a damsel in distress. She's like, no, you know, screw you guys. I've got to come along. Cause I don't need my patient bleeding out. Like, you know, and she does her best to survive. And that being said, maybe she doesn't pass the Bechdel test because everything is, like she's in care of Wong. She starts yeah, she, out in which care of really strange, talk to any care women.
1: There's, there's no other women in the, in the comic. So, you know, mm. it's just her.
0: Damn it. You're right. <laughs> Damn it, Brian K. Vaughn. But let, let me ask another question. She's she's Night Nurse, the Last Woman. <laughs> Almost like a paper girl, if you will. <laughs> but how another book we absolutely should read is Paper Girls by Brian K. Vaughn. Soon to be a streaming TV show. Oh, really? Like,
1: like Why The Last Man?
0: <laughs> Too soon. Mm. Too soon, Ryan.
1: Yeah. How did you feel
0: about the pseudo moral conundrum so uh, the, uh, basically yeah spoil the plot for our you know five listeners strange goes into another dimension to get a serum that can cure wong's cancer right. because it's like you know it's so far along and he winds up getting a serum that can cure all cancer we later on find out it's a serum that can cure any disease and the villains the powers that be do not want this to hit the market because they represent an evil pharmaceutical company. So you think, okay, yeah, they don't cut into the profits. But what the kind of anti-Doctor Strange, the, the anti-hero, so to speak, the villain, the arch nemesis from Strange's Past, like an untold story from Doctor Strange's Past, he's like, no, like curing all disease would actually be a bad thing. We need disease to kind of keep things in check, as cruel as that sounds. And it becomes this... For a brief, brief moment, like literally maybe a panel or a page, this debate on what is the right decision here. Do we? And later on, you have the classic Star Trek needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, right? And right. Strange chooses to the few to save Wong. And maybe he is influenced by that debate of shit. Okay, I'm just going to save my friend because this thing would like wreak havoc on society. But how do you feel about that, Ryan? Like a magic potion that can cure all disease. Well, should I we mean, take it or should we yeah, not? Yeah,
1: well, yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I I, I felt that the villains motivation was just basically straight up villainy. Right. I mean, it wasn't something that I, I didn't get the sense that that was something that we as a reader should seriously be considering. That was just like the villains motivation. It was profit driven. Um, my issue with no, but, no, but, but his, his bosses were profit driven,
0: but he makes the point like this is, he actually, the villain makes the point to his corporate overlords that uh, guys, this is actually a bigger deal. We got to stop this for like all sorts of like philosophical reasons.
1: Oh, you he mean makes... like overpopulation, that sort of thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. The the Thanos thing. I mean, if if you have the cure all for everything, I I say like let's just let's let's take it and worry about the overpopulation issue. You know,
0: e- Elon Musk will solve it for us, right? We'll uh, populate the stars. No.
1: Jesus Christ! My my issue with the dilemma that wasn't so that 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 to me wasn't really a. Debate, like I mean, I I understand where he's coming from, but it's just like, okay, yeah, I guess that's an issue. But honestly, you have the cure for everything; you 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 disseminate it. The issue was Strange shows not to Strange shows not to. So Strange, I don't think he. I mean, his reason for doing it. Does he ever explain his reason for choosing Wong? Is it just because Wong is his buddy? I
0: think so. I mean, because he had uh, again more spoilers. Basically, at the end of the story, the like the the jar that is holding the the serum that can cure any disease breaks right and it's on the ground right now at the same time I'm like dude uh, whip up like a spell to like clean up the liquid and put it back in the bottle how hard is that but so he basically he either can treat his friend who's pretty much flatlining in that moment or he can like you know use a spell and take it to a lab and replicate it so there's enough for the world and the choice is I'm gonna save my friend and I think. This is where I think it is actually more interesting on this thought exercise. I think Strange sure does choose to save his best friend, but at the same time, I think it's a convenience that, well, I got to save my best friend and I kind of am in favor of this philosophical argument of maybe we don't need this magical cure-all. I think I think Strange is swayed.
1: I don't know. I see that's my issue is that we don't get enough of that, right? He makes a decision Mm -hmm. that basically condemns millions of people to to death, right? He can cure everyone of cancer and everything, or he can cure his friend. He chooses his friend. Probably the wrong decision, honestly. Um, So, what are the consequences of that? Well, he makes out with a night nurse. (laughs) NC. And so, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, man, there's got to be some sort of like wrestling. He's wrestling with that decision or, you know, he makes a decision and he thinks it's wrong or, you know, that's that's another reason why I liked Triumph and Torment. Dr. Doom makes a decision to or seemingly makes a decision to betray Dr. Strange. What does that result? It results in his mother realizing that she's only freed because Dr. D- her son betrayed the Sorcerer Supreme and she rejects her son. She's like, no, that's. I forsake everything. I forsake this freedom. And so there's this moment of incredible loss for Dr. Doom when he makes that decision to betray Dr. Strange. And so I, I felt like this decision that Dr. Strange made at the end of the oath was interesting, but that's something that, you know, you kind of need to lean into. You can't just end it there because it, it just feels sort of shallow. Like there's no consequences to it. He doesn't really seem to give it much thought. He's like, Yeah, okay, well, I did that. That's that, that was my decision. And so I, I felt cheated at the end of the oath. And that was actually kind of my big complaint of of this of this particular graphic novel. I liked it because it was quippy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> actually, you know, to kind of bring it down a notch you know what i think would be really fucking cool one you know there's in all kind of comic book stories there's kind of like iconography right like the the daily planet the daily bugle LexCorp tower all uh, even avengers tower now right i think dr strange is like house in greenwich village with that like uh with that skylight with the whatever that thing is um, yeah. in it like i think marvel like marvel disney with their billions of dollars should spend you know 100 million dollars to buy a house in greenwich village and like make it look like the sanctum santorum and like make it a disney store or something.
1: <laughs> i would totally go visit that they should cure cancer that's what that's what disney should do yeah i know where the cancer cure is i know exactly where it is it's in disney's vault right next to uh, walt disney's frozen severed head the more you know so ryan the more you know guys <laughs>
0: ryan would you recommend these books to someone
1: i I'd, I'd recommend triumph and torment i'm a little i'm 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 a little iffier on on the oath I, the oath is a good kind of romp it's a fun adventure I, I do think triumph and torment is a lot more complicated and a lot sneakier with regard to the characters and their motivations and how their loyalties shift so i and, and you know i mean gosh mike mignola's art i mean i know it's his you know, it's, it's, it's pre-Hellboy. It's, it's a little rougher. It's definitely it's rougher, rougher, but it's still really good. I mean, it's just his lines are so clean and
0: Hey man, it's... I think I uh, say what you'll about the, and I think as well, but say what you'll about the oath, but I think Marcos
1: Martin's pretty, it's pretty snappy and pretty sharp, but maybe, yeah, it's know. sharp, but it's sharp in the way of comic books. Like, you know, there's this moodiness to like when he draws hell, you know, when he draws, there's this, yeah. there's this, yeah. it's, he he's so good at creating all of these demons when he's, when he's when he's when you're roaming the shadowy ca- the hallways of uh, Doom's castle. I mean, it just it's you see, you know, of course, you know where where Hellboy will eventually emerge, and I think Mignola is just so good at creating these tones. So yes, I'm no problem with the art in the Oath. It's clean. It's the storytelling is really good. But I always felt Mignola's art is like transcendent. It's just like it feels otherworldly. And I think that's a perfect tone for a story where Doctor Doom and Doctor Strange go to hell to save Doctor Doom's mom. We're
0: we're overdue to read some Mike McDuell or some. We like need Hellboy. to read Hellboy. Yeah, we gotta go to Hellboy. Yeah. yeah. We, we, should, should go to Hellboy. <laughs> we should go to Hellboy. We should go to Hellboy. You know what I'd say? I think I think that triumph and torment is the movie that marvel should make but the oath is the movie that marvel probably will make and put it on disney plus
1: the the triumph and torment isn't actually that funny right it's very earnest which i actually so that's the other thing i appreciate yeah it's a little corny you know, you've got these mystics, you go out this congregation of sorcerers, everyone's like, everything's just sort of like, you know,
0: you say what you will about that. That was like the part that I don't think we, I mean, you kind of need it to get to the mechanics of the boon, but yeah. it, it lasted way too long. Like, just jump right into it. Like, but I guess you needed Doom to not ask, but Doom to con him.
1: Yeah, so, uh, yeah. yeah, you're right. It's a, it's almost like a third of the story and it did last too long. But I also kind of appreciated how earnest it was. You know, th- I think that's the well because that, because
0: the payoff at the end, the payoff at the end is Doom does not beg
1: right but yeah exactly right there's this that that is just a fantastic moment between the two men and i actually think like nowadays with marvel everything is quippy everything is self-referential oh it's nodding to the audience yeah you know you're in on the joke which is great but also i'm kind of tired of it at this point and so reading something like triumph and torment which they're, they're 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 treating these characters very earnestly they're not jokers they're not quippy they're not trying they're not they're not they're they're not self -self self-referential at all it's actually a very self-contained story i actually found that really really refreshing after all of the you know the the, i'm kind of tired of the of the marvel tone these days because it's all the same
0: yeah but uh, the oath came out in 2006 before the mcu was really a thing so uh, to give it credit it was a pop culture accessible comic you're right. Before before those things happen, but you have to read it in the lens of today. So I guess I, you, I think, if you want another MCU installment, read the oath. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I, I think Yeah, you're right. It 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 came out, you know, probably when it came out, it was you know, the that sort of like quick bantery dialogue thing. It was not a cliche, but we're just at that point now where it is. And so Actually, when I read it, I thought it had initially came out in like twenty, like twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, and so I, and and then I looked at the when it was actually published. So it was two thousand seven. I'm like, oh, actually, this is very, very. This is really kind of before. I think the same pre year Iron maybe Man. That I, yeah, is it pre Iron Man? Man, was 08. Iron, Man, was Iron, Man? Iron Man was away. Iron
0: Man was away. Iron Man was Oh,
1: okay, yeah. So it's actually pre Iron Man. So yeah, but you know, so maybe it's like the the progenitor of that sort of Marvel quippiness. But at this point, right? Have you seen so much of it? Every movie, it has it. It feels very much again on par with the stuff that we've been consuming for the past ten years, and maybe that's that's not fair to the oath. But you know, hey, I'm reading it in 2022.
0: You're just an old fart. I get it. I'm um,
1: just an I'm you, old. You you
0: long for your comics of the 80s.
1: I long for the comics of my youth.
0: Did you read uh, *Triumph and Torment* when you were a kid?
1: Yeah, you know, I read it probably in college. So, you know, that I, I you know, I it was it, it was mentioned probably in Wizard magazine as like this like really cool comic and a really unusual one and I I tracked it down eventually on eBay, I think, and I got a copy there because I don't think it was in print. And then I read it and I thought, "Oh shit, this is really cool." You know, I just it's just like a side of Doom you don't see, right? Cuz most of the time you see mm. Doom, he's just He's just a straight-up villain, a megalomaniacal villain. And so this is actually a more vulnerable version of Doom. Probably mm. the most vulnerable mm. version of Doom that you've ever seen. And at the same time, you also see him, you know, once he kind of exposes that vulnerability, he, he kind of seals it up really quickly. You know, you it, it, you, you see the vulnerability even though Doom is not trying to show you that vulnerability he's not sitting there talking about oh i lost my mom a long time ago oh, oh, oh no but you but, but you can kind of sense it through all of his pomposity and his mm. arrogance and i thought that, mm. and I, that which is also something i really like about that comic it doesn't kind of mm. it doesn't yeah, he doesn't show all his cards hmm.
0: doom is just one of those really compelling characters when yeah you take him out of the caricature of the caricature of his villainy and you dig a little deeper And again, I mean, we've been poking a lot of fun at the MCU, but I'm just genuinely curious if, you know, third time's the charm, if they can pull off, you know, again, when Marvel, Disney does the big villains well, Loki, Thanos, etc., they do them really well. And I think Doom, Magneto even, in some of the Fox X-Men movies, Doom's the next one that hasn't been done so well and i'm really curious to see if if you can create a nuanced doom that isn't the character
1: i think they can i mean you know they did it. they kind of did it with the mandarin right and that guy was the ultimate racial caricature and they turned it into something a character who's really kind of interesting and compelling and unfortunately is only going to be in one movie but trevor forever (laughs) trevor forever (laughs) but i mean i I actually you know i i'm I'm actually looking forward to seeing what marvel studios does with dr doom I kind of hope he's one of those villains who plagues multiple heroes across across the movies. He's one of those villains that can kind of be a linchpin in the MCU for a while. You know, my my biggest regret is that, you know, we're not going to see him him go up against Iron Man. I guess maybe you could, but I don't know. That's, see, look, I'm fanboying out now.
0: Make Laveria great again.
1: So, Revan, I got to ask, what what are we reading next week? Well, Ryan,
0: I don't know if you know, But next week is the Nakba. Do you know what the Nakba is? I don't know what the Nakba is. So next week commemorates Al-Nakba, which literally translates to the catastrophe, the 74th anniversary of the destruction of Palestinian society and the Palestinian homeland in 1948. The permanent displacement of a majority of Palestinian Arabs, at least 750,000 Arabs from Palestine. So... To honor that, we are going to read Joe Sacco's Palestine. If you don't know who Joe Sacco is, he is a cartoon journalist who's won many, many awards. And in 1993, he published a nonfiction graphic novel that he wrote and draw about his experiences in the West Bank and the Gaza Strip from December 1991 to January 1992. If we have time, we will also try to read his follow-up book, Footnotes from Gaza. It's a book I read a long time ago, it's one I've been meaning to revisit in my adulthood. It's some serious shit, but, you know, we got to stare at the serious shit in serious times because maybe we can learn from history. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Be sure to share with a friend, subscribe, and leave us a review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. See lots of pretty pictures of the books we read at QTDcomics.com. And since we're sure no one's listening, prove us otherwise. Shoot an email over to say what I got right and what Ryan got wrong at QTDcomics at gmail.com give you a social media angle, but we're old, and that feels like too much work. I'm Roman Segel.
1: And I am and have always been Ryan Jones.